Welcome to the Retail Tea Break. Each week, I'll be joined by industry experts, retailers, and product creators to decode the myths, share knowledge, and give you a better insight into the industry. My aim, as always, is to empower retailers and product creators to reach their potential. So, grab your cup of tea, sit back, relax, and listen in. My name is Melissa Moore, and this is the Retail Tea Break. Today, I am joined by the MD of an Irish family retail boutique and cafe, and someone who is a true champion of women in business. Becky Harrison of Fishers of Newtown Mount Kennedy, welcome to the Retail Tea Break. Thank you so much. Delighted to be here with you, Melissa. Honoured to be asked to join you. Oh, and especially at such a busy time of year, I really, really appreciate you taking the time out to jump on today. So in, I suppose, the realms of all things tea and boiling kettles, in the time it takes to boil a kettle, which I'm told is about two minutes, tell us a bit about yourself and the business. Yeah, don't know if we're going to get so much into two minutes. <laughs> so we'll, start with, we'll start with the business and then see what's left over for me. Um, so yeah, Fishers of Newtown and Kennedy, it's a family business, as you've said, and we'll get into that a little bit um, later on. I'm the third family member to be at the helm, although the second generation. In, in family business talk, generations are important, but it's also important to know that it's the third, the third move. So it was founded by my parents along with my aunt and uh, my aunt and uncle and another uncle um, and it, it grew it was grown by my aunt and uncle and then my parents took over um, in two, year 2000 and myself and my sister took over in 2010 so that's the little history piece uh, for the second minute and uh, what we are now so we've grown from a small um, country clothing men's country clothing outfitter to a boutique we call a boutique department store uh, with a boutique department store a retail hub and um, a kind of well-being hub here now so it's it's so much more and expanded and changed and the one thing we say about fishes is that we are in constant evolution and never so more than the last two years so that's where we are now um, for me my background I'm a business and marketing graduate from Trinity College um, I worked in a variety of different retail outlets um, and different spots before coming back to, to Fisher's. Um, I was marketing manager for Keynes Jewelers um, in Munster and um, yeah, worked worked my way around different, different spots and then ended up here. That's incredible. And I love the fact that so you've never known anything different. This business has always been there, I presume, as you were growing up. And the fact that, that you landed into retail even after you finished your kind of your schooling in that respect, it's obviously always come back to it. So what's that been like? You've seen that evolution, as you call it, you've seen that change, no much more so than the last, I suppose, 18 months, two years. How has that changed? What's it been like living it? Well, I suppose it's interesting. So while the business has always been here, I suppose in my youth, it was my aunt and uncle that ran it. So we were slightly removed, although my dad is a business, had a business consultancy at the time and we would have consulted on marketing. And so I would have been as a child sticking labels on envelopes to send out to the customers and stuff. So there was always a connection there. Um, but it was never inevitable that I would come into this business at all, even when my parents took, took over. And I did work with them um, 
sorry, I worked with them and then and then away and then and then back again. And it was it was never inevitable. I think what it brought to me is that I always wanted to be, I always wanted to run my own business. So it gave me that, uh, but it wasn't necessarily going to be this business. Um, what when my aunt and uncle were running Fishers, um, my parents ran their own business. My mom was a caterer, she's a chef, and my dad as a banker, an ex-banker, and then became a business consultant. So I'm surrounded by entrepreneurs and people running their own business. So I suppose that was what I got from it growing up rather than retail specifically, actually. And it sort of just happened that that's ended, that it's ended up that I've been back in, into retail, but obviously well stuck into retail at this stage. Um, so, um, so yeah, I suppose, you, you know, you do live, live and breathe it. And, and it was funny, my, my sister hasn't been, hadn't been involved in the business very much. And when she came back, when she came to work in the business in 2017, full time, she she was just she was a director prior to that, but a non uh, sort of a silent silent partner, if you like. Um, and I was like, okay, no, we'll, we'll train you up. And I I suddenly I sort of suddenly realised actually I do know quite a lot about this. <laughs> it's sort of you know come in through osmosis and and obviously practice and experience and training and all of those other things, but you sort of don't. You don't put credence in it until you sort of stop and go oh actually i have quite a lot to, to give back here or to to help someone else come into the into the business now so um so yeah no well well settled into the retail environment certainly um and i think it's interesting coming from a family retail business as opposed to a, a corporate retail business it's you know it is very different we've we've a new um i have a new training manager started with us at the moment and she's worked with Dunn's for the last number of years and great experience from there but it, you know she's the, the differences she can see and what she and also what we're learning from her but what she's bringing in it, you know it is worlds apart um you know looking at it from those two sides as well so um that family piece has always been core to what to what we've been about here and that the whole team is part of the family whether they're related or not I, I love that and I know I've certainly been reading about how important and we'll come to this in a bit that your team is both to Fishers and the growth of Fishers going forward but kind of hearing you speak there and imagining what it was like kind of being outside the business and looking in and then coming into the business you really start to see that essence of the experience part that you're bringing in so not only are you bringing the outside experience but actually you're really raising the bar when it comes to the experience that the customer sees and feels and hears and I suppose touches when they come in because as you say it isn't just this men's store anymore you have all these lovely little nuggets around and of course the cafe as well so suddenly Fishers is a destination you know store to come to and to stay in and therefore to buy to shop to eat in. Absolutely, Melissa. And I think that that's something, obviously, the whole retail sector has been moving, certainly outside of essential purchases, has been moving towards that retail sort of feel for the last 10, 20 years. It's not a new phenomenon. And then obviously COVID has come to put a spanner in that. And, and I'll come back to that in a second because I have a couple of thoughts on that. But it, that, that experience economy is all the experience of shopping has always been actually really important down here. We're, we're located in County Wicklow. We're not on a high street. So you're not we're not attracting passing, you know, we don't have people walking past our street that we're attracting in. It, people have to make an effort to come here. So when they do that, um, you know, we need to look after them once they're here and they have to they have to feel that their journey is being worth it. Um, so for do us- Do you think it's been easier though? Sorry, Dad, for the very fact that this is a family business. So do you think actually, because you're more likely to treat the customers as your friends, as your family, even if you've never met them before, is that 
easier then to almost teach the staff or show them so that they have that essence as well? Yeah, I think it probably is. And obviously, you you know, in any in any business, the culture comes from, you know, the top down and you have to see that there. So if if it's our modus operandi, you know, to to welcome the customers and to, to give them that warm, cuddly feeling. And you said that earlier, it's about what they feel. And, and for us, it is that that atmosphere piece of the business is so important. And it comes from a smile. It comes from, you know, it's not anything more um, tangible than that. So it's it's that's absolutely vital from, from our point of view and yes I think that if the if the team feel like they're they're part of the team and they're part of the, the fabric of the business um that that will happen automatically if you like so you know we're so lucky we've such a loyal staff um here at Fisher's we have um I was actually talking to someone else recently and most most of our staff are here you know a significant amount of time we're, we do have get new staff all the time we have people retire at the other end and 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 um, that's the way it works. But of our staff, so we've two new staff um, in the last year. And outside of them, our next newest is, um, or our next longest that has been serving with us is probably six or seven years. And then we go mm. right back. Our longest current serving member of staff is, um, has been with us over 20 years. So, you know, they, they obviously like working here, <laughs> which is great for us to see because someone's not going to stay around if they don't like it. Um, and that's, shine through you know and that's not just about me it's about the team themselves all embracing each other and supporting each other and working towards that common purpose that we all agree is the common purpose if you like and I think that that's something that's really important in in our strategy and in our working environment is is making sure that the team are part of that conversation and that they form the culture of the organization that they are part of where they of the vision and the future of where they see the business going um, and that we bring bring those pieces along and I suppose a little example of that and it's, I suppose the topical one particularly at, at this particular uh, month but the sustainability piece you know we've done a lot of work with our suppliers with our local with our sort of the local environment and the community around like, what can we do to help it, the impact that we have um, as as a business and and as consumers within the business and as influencers to our customers as well, um, and the staff have really engaged with that. They've just been amazing. The team are coming up mm. with all sorts of brilliant ideas on how to do it. Not just about sourcing particular products that maybe are are local, so there's no transport or are um, you know made from sustainable materials that are um, you know or recycled materials or any of the, those type of things, but also looking at you know, the community side of it as well. So we, we team up very often with our local Vincent de Paul shop and it's about, you know, this winter now it's a, you know, donate your winter coats so that the homeless people can can be warm, but also that they're being reused and not being thrown out. And and we're tying in with that and we, we're giving a voucher back when people do that. So it's trying to think of it in different ways. And all of those ideas have come from the team and how they want to, how they want their business to be perceived you know locally and and further afield so it's really important and they're amazing they have such brilliant you know we have such brilliant ideas everyone has brilliant ideas you just need to to listen to them and and then encourage people to to see what they can think of or steal from someone else <laughs> i think i genuinely and i think this is why when i approached you to pop on this podcast I think that's really special that you truly embrace this whole idea of internal customer experience. Your team are just that. They are part of the furniture. They're part of the experience. 
And I was amazed. I read somewhere that you said, you know, that you've talked before about getting buy-in from your staff when you're making decisions. You live this. You don't just talk the talk because do you know what? Not all retailers like this right now. It is very much, I'm the head of it. I need to make really swift decisions, whether it's for the business or the cash flow. But actually, you taking your team on this journey with you, as you say, you're getting the best out of them. They're obviously really happy to be in work. They're obviously trying to change things for the better or bring new ideas. And I presume your customers see and they feel that as well when oh, they I come think, in. I think they do, Melissa. And I think the, the other piece, I think that's what you're referring to, just in relation to sort of the COVID situation, when we decided to close, so we closed before we were directed to back in March 2020. And I suppose we could see what was happening worldwide. And it was, uh, you know, just what you were saying there, the need for swift decisions is, you know, is absolutely paramount at the moment and continues to be at the moment too. And another example, little recent example of that, but it is really, it is really important that the decisions need to be made swiftly and they need to be made decisively. Um, maybe all decisions are made decisively, but they, you know, they need to be made and, and um, you know, whatever else. But, but for us that, you know, this, this deciding to close impacted everyone's lives right to the core of it because with with us and with retail business I wasn't in a position to carry the staff for three-month closure I might have been able to carry them for a couple of weeks but definitely not a three-month closure and I think that we we sat down and we said look we really don't think this is going to be only two weeks till Easter or whatever else as as some of the the commentary was at the time and we said we don't think it's going to be so um but, but I said, I'm, I'm nervous about your well-being as staff. I'm nervous about the customer's well-being. We could see the customers were dropping off anyway in terms of the numbers coming over the door. And um, we sat down and we said, OK, guys, these sort of, this is what I'm thinking. Where are you on this? And it's sort of, do we wait and hang on to see what we're directed? We think it's coming, but you know, we didn't know, no. Um, or do we shut immediately? Do we shut um, this is a, we sat down on a Thursday, do we shut tomorrow, do we shut on Sunday, or do we wait and see? So I think the, the eventual thing came about a week a week later. And um, the, so the, we decided again, collectively, we said, okay, let's let's stay open until Sunday. We have the, the weekend trading is important. It's, you know, a good time to do it. But we got to Friday, and I said, okay, well, let's stay open until Sunday, but with an asterisk. And I said, you need to give me the feedback what it's like on, on the ground. I was down there yeah. too, but you know, I need to hear how, how you are and are you comfortable? And we, there were some staff members that didn't want to come into work. And so they didn't stay, they um, stayed off immediately from, from that night. Um, and we opened on the Friday and by, by about 11.30 on Friday, one of the team came up to me and said, they, a few of them had been talking they said, were just not comfortable the schools were off that day and there was a couple of big gangs of people actually they weren't even schoolroom, but a couple of big groups of people came into the cafe and they were supposed to be social distancing we had to limit the tables to six at that or four i think it was even at that stage and they just wouldn't basically and um, lots of customers were wonderful about it but just this particular mm, lot yeah. weren't and the girls went to say look i'm not happy with this i'm not comfortable they're not that you know it's not our we can't manage the public in this and when Absolutely. they're not taking yeah. it seriously um and i have to say since then the public have been our customers have been amazing as well and so cooperative and good but um and so they said no we're not we're not comfortable said okay we're closing tonight then that's wow. it and we just made the decision and but it was the team that wanted it and yeah. they understood they were prepared to take the hit that we were all having to take but they understood that um, and they also knew that we were there to support them in any way we could 
outside of outside of that, if you like. So it was, you know, it was a tough decision. And um, but the team were, were brilliant and they're like they're so sensible and they see things from a different perspective than than I do necessarily. Um, we try to always cover all bases, but you don't always cover all bases. So no, but you it, embrace that is what I'm absolutely. hearing, that you really embrace their feedback, their input. And it's important. It's genuinely important to you. It is, it is very much so, very much so. I'm sure there are plenty of times we could do better with it. Um, and there are times when wonderful ideas come to us and we just don't have the time or capacity to follow them through. Um, so we're definitely not, not uh, infallible, but um, but no, it's so much better when, when they are involved. And, um, you know, it, it needs to be that way. It needs to be that way or else it doesn't work. I want to pick up, uh, it's not that I want to go back and dredge up the last kind of two years, but take me through that so you close and I suppose bringing it right up to date here we are four and a half weeks away or gosh even less than that from Christmas now we're still not out of the woods and I almost want to whisper that what's it been like for I know someone that's owning running in it at the deep end every day for the last kind of nearly two years now what's it really been like well, I have a whole other talk on that, Melissa, that would take up the whole session. That's not too next but week, everyone. Highlights. Um, no, look, it's it's been it's been everything, is all I can say. So it's been incredibly stressful. It has been um, exciting. There's been fantastic opportunities. Um, it's been, you know, really difficult. You know, literally the whole gambit of emotions is what it's been. And I think everyone will say the same thing with that. Um, I found it, I suppose, to give a, a, a very brief kind of summary when, when at, that, at that time when we were having difficult conversations with the, the staff, that they were followed by difficult conversations with our, our bank and our suppliers. We had a shop full, if you know, fashion retail, we had a shop full of Especially spring. Especially that time stock. of the year in the spring. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, not no, no real outlet to sell it. Um, we were operating online, but I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, so so there was difficult conversations to be had all around. And what was really interesting, because we were that little step ahead, um, we were having difficult, we were having conversations with some suppliers and I literally, I got laughed at by some of them. What are you doing? You're overreacting completely. Wow. You know, that's ridiculous. You know, this type of reaction. Anyway, I won't get into that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so a huge amount of stress and it was really interesting. So before, like I was very certain that this was the right thing to do to close. Mm. So I was very comfortable with my decision. And um, all the talk was that, look, the banks will talk to you. You can talk about pausing your, your outgoings. And that's very much how I kind of went into it. So I said, look, this is the right thing to do. Our shop is not essential. People don't need to buy clothes and gifts. They mm. can survive. And um, this is the right thing to do. We need to close. Um, and I said, look, our, uh, everyone is in this situation. It's a global pandemic. Um, our suppliers and our bankers will all just, everything will just have to kind of pause. And mm. then we can restart whenever we reopen. Um, and I felt quite calm and um, really very confident in my decision to do that. Um, going in and um, and that's maybe slightly easy to say now but I, I but I was at the time but it was interesting once the decision was made and then actually you had to deal with all those difficult conversations and helping the the team get set up with the pandemic unemployment payments helping you know getting overdrafts and payment holidays and all of those things and writing letters to all our suppliers saying look we're here we're going to survive it we're pausing everything please just give us a chance 
you know, and we, we pay you when we can, it might be late, you know, that type of thing. Um, that's when it became incredibly stressful. <laughs> and I remember I'm, I'm not an anxious person at all. I don't, I'm very lucky that I don't suffer from anxiety. Um, and I, I tend to, to just write, this is the situation, let's deal with this. And I never said as many times, I've never said the phrase, um, we just have to play the cards we're dealt. Um, I've said it so many times over it, but it's true. And that's all you can do, actually. You have to control the things you can and you can't deal with the stuff outside of that. But I did get anxiety during those that first month in, in March 2020. And it was really interesting because I could feel it. I feel that physical tightness and kind of stress. And I'm kind of going, okay, I need to do this. And I, but I remember almost observing myself and going, oh, that's interesting, Becky, now you're feeling <laughs> your, your, the way your body's reaction. I knew what it was, but it didn't stop it. Wow. It was incredible. Um, and, and then it passed and it was fine. But I particularly felt that night when um Leo Varker was speaking from Washington where he made actually called yeah. and um, we all knew what was coming but it was that anxiety and I, I was in Mayo at the time with, with my family thankfully and um, we we had to, we had booked it to go and we decided to go anyway because we were together and I, I then dealt with those conversations from there and um, when the shop was closed and I remember going, okay I have to get back I have to get back to Wicklow I have to you know deal with the shop because it's now going to be closed for for weeks or months and kind of get everything sorted um so it was it was incredibly anxious anxious time and, and stressful time um and then i suppose as a as a uh, mother as well you have the added bonus i have a now nine-year-old daughter of um homeschooling and i found that incredibly stressful um, and then there was this big pressure to pivot so everyone immediately was talking about how they were pivoting. And I'm going, okay, well, I need to pivot. And I said, but I can't really pivot. And I have to look after Emily and I have to do school with her. I don't have the capacity to do anything else. Um, and then the supports were incredible. In it, right straight away, there was no financial supports, but there was all these fantastic um, other supports. So with Network Ireland, with the Small Firms Association, with um, all Retail Excellence, with all of these fantastic organisations, they have put on just so yeah. much webinars and mentoring and all of these were there. And I just soaked all that up, but actually almost probably too much because I then, again, that was more pressure to do new things and change things and do everything else. So it was this real balance of trying to educate and sustain and keep going versus um yeah, the pressure sort of pressure of what that actually meant to do things so there was definitely a crunch point there in early may um i have to say but then we worked it out and it was fine but then so very fast forward then the, the last the later bit so we we reopened in june the same as everyone else we had uh, I, you may remember at the time although they changed it at the last minute that there was a directive that if you were a small shop you could open but large shops couldn't open that's right yeah and we 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 weren't a small shop but we weren't a humongous shop either we were sort of probably a a, a large mid medium a medium large shop um so we said okay well we want to open do we wait or do we open do we kind of re reduce our size in some way or open part of the shop to to an open earlier it was a month or a month and a difference and um so we decided, so there's a couple of things So we have, we've always rented out space to other businesses here at Fisher's, not always, but in the last number of years, um, we have done. Um, so we, um, so we, I suppose for, for a long time, we've been saying that we must get more businesses in to just, and it's, it's all about bringing more people to the site. We all feed off each other's customers. We 
collaborate with each other and sounding board on site. So there's loads of positive things in having that a few businesses together. Um, so we've been saying we wanted to maybe have some more businesses in on site, whatever else. We said, OK, well, look, let's why not reduce the footprint of the retail space, open up a smaller shop so that we could open earlier um, and then maybe see if we can get someone else in to rent some of the other space. And just let's play it by ear and see what it is. And also at the time, retail was still really dodgy because people weren't coming out of their houses. And even mm -hmm. after the lockdown ended, people were still very nervous about coming out. Uh, people are still now very nervous about coming out at times. And so we were like, okay, well, look, this is the most risky part. If we can rent out some of the space and get a nice solid rental income in as well, um, as well as bringing more people to the site and helping our retail business that way, isn't this, isn't this a, better, a better option? Um, so we, in one week, we cleared out our entire men's department, which is two rooms of our business, um, and just, I suppose, redid the whole layout of what was our women's department, and we made half of it men's and half of it ladies, with gifts, homework, accessories, kids as well, but anyway, they were all kind of in, the, in that area anyway, um, and so literally one week we did it and we were ready to reopen and of course halfway through that week as we were doing this they announced actually everyone could open and we didn't need to change the size of our shop at all and had we not decided we were going to leave it like that I would have actually cried my eyes out at that stage because we had put in so much work if we then were told actually you didn't need to bother doing any of that you could go back I, I, I think this is the reality and I think an awful lot of people don't realize or we just don't talk about it the absolute ups and downs and the backward flips that were done every single time we reopened last year and even this year, yep. the people behind the kind of the doors, the closed doors, were literally rejigging the whole entire shop, all the stock, you know, things were being pulled apart and put back together in record time and walls been painted. I just remember lots of retailers going, we haven't done this for years. You know what, while it's empty right now, let's just throw some paint on things. But you know, I, I think that's it. Like you can see the retailers around the country that have really, really used the opportunity. And I said yeah. that a minute ago, there, was, there, there were lots of opportunities that it did bring and, and ways to pivot and all of those other things. Um, but you had to get to a place to be able to, to embrace those as well. But draining um, at the same time, yeah. I'd say both emotionally and physically. And I, think, and I think particularly for that first lockdown, the, the business, the, the financial supports were not in place until we mm. reopened. So while I would have loved to have repainted the whole shop during the first lockdown, one, I didn't have it, the money financially to yeah. do it because I didn't have the support and I had no income and I had all this debt because of the stock sitting in Absolutely. my shop. But also, well, and also people weren't allowed to move. Like it, the first lockdown was very interesting because it was so locked down and then suddenly open. Whereas the others have been more graded, I think, since then. Um, but we, we, took, we took that opportunity later on with, with other ones. And we did, do, we did do some painting and moving around. But it's, it's um, yeah, so we reopened. We reopened, we were great. Uh, the cafe opened on a takeaway only basis at that time. Um, it followed with, with outside seating and then inside seating. Um, obviously, yes more lockdown then right up at our peak selling oh, no. period yeah, for all this time and last year so yeah. again half of our autumn winter stock or half of our autumn winter season effective selling season disappeared 
Um, so we had sold obviously some autumn stock before uh, we went into lockdown in, in October. But October, so for us, October would generally be our second busiest month. So December is obviously our top month. October would be second and then November third. Um, I think there's been a huge impact with Black Friday. And I know Absolutely. we mentioned that too in November trading figures um, recently. So that's that would be a, a factor there. And also because we're a department store, we see really interesting um, buying shifts. So we have the, the men are... Uh, the men start buying for winter, uh, autumn and winter in November, and the women stop buying. So they've bought all of their winter stuff by the end of October. And then from the, literally the 1st of November, they're then into buying gift mode for Christmas. And they buy for other people, but not for themselves. So it's, or not as much, of course, they do a little bit. But, not, <laughs> but as, it is really interesting. You see the profile of the customers in the shop change completely um, during this period now. We're in, in the middle of November now. So it's, it's, that change is happening at the moment. It's fascinating. Um, but yeah, look, uh, the, I have to say, I have to put a word in. I think the government has done an incredible job with the support they've given businesses, particular businesses. And certainly from a retailer's point of view, they have done very well. Um, I sit on the retail consultation forum, which advises the government, the business Department of Business on um, retail um, policy and whatever else. And it, it actually was a fascinating time to be part sure. of that group because you're hearing how they make their decisions, what, you know, how it's, how it's done. And so I was very fortunate to be able to contribute to that discussion, um, along with obviously other key players in the, in the industry. I suppose I'm there as the, the small voice of the small business, but it's, um, they, they have actually done a, a fantastic job. I think there's, there's, you know, possibly a little bit more they could do now coming in, but, you know, and, and, and we certainly, we have, we've availed of absolutely every support we possibly could. Um, we have, we've applied for and, and been lucky enough to, to, um, to get. And so it's just a very quick, and I'm really conscious of the time, but um, we have, the other piece that has been really interesting this year is the, is the online kind of story. Yes. And I haven't really. Oh yeah, I couldn't, there. definitely couldn't let but, you go without talking. Um, because it's been it's been the biggest news story hasn't it really even though as you say you were online before covid but i presume like everyone else it exacerbated it accelerated it and yeah so again it's sort of an interesting sort of two minute potted history but um we had we were we were really lucky um again kind of this opportunity was there because we had the infrastructure set up already for our website our website was there we weren't paying it very much attention in the previous years to to covid because it, it takes it's such a big resource a, a huge it takes a huge amount of resources to maintain so if you think we're getting you know new stock in we're getting new stock in every week but even if you take it seasonally we're getting in probably four four whole new collections every year um and you know that's the, all of those individual items need to be put up online and they need to be promoted they need to be you know orders need to be fulfilled the whole logistics around that so it's a, it's a big task and actually i very much view the website as another shop or so and, it, and it is and i think for the it reasons is. you described there they need kind of funding in the same way they need manning in the same way yeah, um absolutely. james Burm from fairly was on a few weeks ago and that's exactly what he said that you wouldn't go and start a new bricks and mortar store without having all your ducks in the row and yet in the last year unfortunately retailers have had to literally fire up these yeah. new e-commerce stores but haven't necessarily realized what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's for us. So we, we, we had a website for years, but we, it was something that we, we were actually quite slow at 
going into fully because exactly at that reason because I was going okay that's fine we can get our you know voucher from the Leo to help us set up the site but we it needs to be integrated with our EPOS system or else the customer is always going to have the wrong quantities and so they buy something that isn't actually in stock so that they have to link up and um, we have to look at our logistics and because they're such a huge piece and you know you hear things like boohoo.com and the number of returns they get and how they process them and it's like I'd love to be at that their level we're nowhere near that but you do have to think about those things so how are you going to physically manage the the logistics of this so we were we were purposely slow in terms of setting up but we had actually set up the, the infrastructure in terms of online was, was there and we had employed someone to come in to manage the website for us in-house and um, just the 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 website piece not never mind the social media side and the promote digital marketing side but um for and, and we were planning to do that for for spring 2020 anyway wow. so we were really lucky that we were in that position but we were still at the start of it we hadn't done it yet so it was literally we were getting the resources in place and also remember that at the start, while everyone this big news obviously subsequently has been online by you know trading online but the for the first couple of weeks we actually weren't allowed to trade online either everything had to shut so we weren't even allowed you know fulfill it and I was also really conscious about the messaging so sort of saying to customers you know come and buy from us online when they've lost their jobs you know you can't yeah, promote too much this non-essential item you know why not buy a dress or would you prefer to you know do something much more worthwhile with your money so there was a big hesitation so the first couple, month or two we didn't push online at all um, and then we did and we got back to it and we were allowed and we set it up and, and we pushed it and we built it then over that time and our online sales um went up a thousand percent which sounds very big figure it's very easy to get a big percentage when you have a small base but um, but it did go up that much and you know for this third lockdown we did fantastic really fantastically well on online Amazing. and obviously those sales have come back a little bit since we yeah. reopened but they're still you know maybe three or to 100 or 200 percent better than they were you know beforehand so actually more than that i think but it's it's so it's great and we've again we used as much we got as much support as we could we qualified for the enterprise ireland and um, uh online retail scheme which is the the sort of bigger bigger piece and um, the grant um so we worked with with consultants on that so you know again fantastic support out there to help really grow that but we're still way off where we need to be online and there's still an awful lot more to do. So I think that's the other piece of it. It's also about pushing forward, um, pushing forward as well. But look, we've lots of different things happening here now. So I suppose COVID has given us the opportunity to attract more businesses here. We now have, so as well as the cafe and the shop, we have a health food store. Um, we had the hairdressers here previously and then a bed and bedding store. So they were all here already. And then we've added a, a kind of a, a well-being hub. So we have an audiologist, a skin facialist and a physiotherapist in our, our rooms there. And we have a photographer on site as well. So who does studio photography and photography for um, pets portrait is the company so you know we've lots going on here it's given us the opportunity to do that and i'm really happy with where we are now in terms of the business as a whole that you have that diversity so that whatever the future throws at us that we have elements that will succeed and and you know and that's what it's about it's about you know sort of spreading spreading the load a little bit but making it more sustainable going into the future and and for us again and it's about 
you know, people come to maybe buy a, buy a coat from us, but they can get their health food, they can go and get their hair done, they can get, you know, whatever, all those different things all are here on site. So it's loads of different reasons to come now to us um, and, and visit where we are. It's like a little micro version of the experience economy that Pine and Gilmore kind of thought about when they were writing that paper back kind of 22, 23 years ago. It's phenomenal that this is pretty much what you've created is what they talked about, having everything together, having that customer be on that journey and you've become like a destination, one-stop shop for all the needs for the customers. I love that. And picking up on something you just said there, I suppose my final question, what is next for Fishers? I mean, how exciting. You've been on this journey. You're very much still on it by what you're saying. What's next? Well, I think what, what is, it's a very good question. <laughs> I don't necessarily have a succinct answer for you. Um, but I think I think for, for immediately next, it's about consolidating where, where we are. I think using the, the venue that we have here to its maximum is, is really exciting. So uh, something that's kind of missing or has been missing for us is we, we have, um, we would always do quite a lot of events on site um, pre-pandemic. And um, so we would do fashion shows and workshops and that type of thing. And so I'm really excited to get those back. Um, if you like, again, we have um, we had a fashion show earlier at the beginning of this month, and it was our first one back. We did it in the cafe. Tables were booked. You had to book a table, not just a seat, and we just kept it to tables, and people had to come on their own. All our tables are kind of in a little booth, each of them, so every, it's very safe, and, and it was really well managed. It was fantastic and from a, a COVID perspective, but it was so nice to have that little buzz back in the I'm shop. Sure, and the atmosphere. Customers coming to, to have a look at the new collection. So we love doing that. We streamed it online. So part of our new online presence, wow. we streamed it online as well. So look, I think that the website absolutely is a focus for us going forward as well. Um, we we need to be careful, but that we do that properly and sustainably and, and efficiently with limited resources and and whatever else so that's that's another piece of it but no it's really about embedding in and i think i think it's about refining what we have and um, so we mentioned sustainability earlier on like that is so so important and so really focusing on on the stock we we um we have available for our customers looking at we do a huge amount with irish suppliers so again building that piece as well is, is really really important and um, be, and, and I just love that there's this mix of, um, of bits going on in the shop and that there's so many different options um, and things going on here. So I think more, more of the same is the, the initial piece. Um, and beyond that, we'll see, we'll see. But it's, there's lots of scope in lots of different ways to, to do it. And getting back to a proper experience economy is, is definitely where, where we're at. I love that. There is no better place I can think of really for a true customer experience. You know, you're living it. You're not just talking about it. Your team are as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear what it's been really like over the last few years and also kind of pushing on the way forward after the 40 years that Fishers have been here. And I can only imagine how exciting the next few years are going to be. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please, please, please like and share and subscribe to the Retail Tea Break. Leave us a comment, especially if you've been and you've visited Fishers over the last 40 years. We'd certainly love to hear from you. So until next time, Becky Harrison, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Millie Melissa. Fabulous to talk to you. Uh -huh.